This podcast is dedicated by my grandparents, Shelley and Henry Frisch, Leila Nishmas, my great-grandfather, Jacob Hecht, Yaakov ben Yosef Meir, whose yard said is Rishchidosh Nisan. He was one of the early Frum Shemer Shabbos lawyers in America, and he helped many yeshivas and Jewish organizations throughout his life. His neshama should have an aliyah. To sponsor an episode or to support the podcast, please email svarimchatter at gmail.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Svarim Chatter podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be joined by Professor Benny Brown, who is the professor of Jewish thought at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And we'll be discussing the Muslim movement and uh, as a whole, and we'll, we'll get into a lot of different things. So uh, thank you very much, Professor Brown, for joining me. Thank you. Uh, so perhaps we should start off and you can you would uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay. Uh, so uh, I was born in uh, Tel Aviv, uh, but I only when I was, was a baby, uh, I, I grew up in Maybox since the age of three, I think. And uh, even though I was not a uh, member of a Haredi uh, family, I grew up in Nebuk when uh, my neighborhood became Haredi. I uh, was Haredized, if you want. And uh, uh, at the end of this process, we remained the only non-Haredi family in the neighborhood. But, you know, unlike many uh, uh, testimonies of people who felt uncomfortable when uh, they remained the only non-Haredi family, in our case, it was quite different. It was quite fun. Uh, I liked Nebak, I, lo- I love Nebak even today. And uh, as a curious young boy, I was interested in my environment and uh, went to Tishin, went to Schmissen, went to uh, of prayers, of course, uh, davening in Haredi uh, shows. And uh, I liked Gmor as well. So often I learned alone mainly uh, in some of the yeshivas of Nebrak and came to, and also the period when my youth was in a very stormy period in the history of Haredi Judaism. It was the period of Shach as a leader of uh, the Litvish sector. Um, every morning was another scandal. Uh, and uh, I really was curious about it, learned about it, but didn't want to be a, to engage in it in, as a profession. I actually, uh, learned philosophy and was uh, preparing to do other things in life. Uh, but more and more later, I, later on, I studied uh, law and philosophy, uh, not Jewish thought, and even practiced law for a year, but then decided to go back to the academia. And uh, more and more during the years, uh, I found myself explaining orthodoxy and Judaism in particular to other people. And it was the beginning of interest in the Israeli society, interest in the Haredi uh, community. And most of the interest in the academia was in the social aspects of Haredi Judaism. I was more more interested in the halachic and theological aspects and the ideological aspects. And uh, I made my MA thesis on that, on the Das Torah Doctrine, and then continued to uh, doctorate on the Chazonish. And since then, I'm in the academia, academia in uh, research of uh, Haredi Judaism, especially, as I said, in more spiritual realms of, of, of the issue, but also in social aspects as well. And still interested in philosophy, uh, general philosophy, but uh, career is in Jewish thought. And married, the father of four, lives, living in uh, Ramot in uh, Jerusalem today. So, as, as I said at the outset, we'll be, we'll be talking about the Muslim movement. So, 
Right. I think we should start off all the way at the beginning for the listeners at, at you know, just a, a brief overall history of the Muslim movement, when it started, how it started, just start at the beginning. All right. I mean, the person who was considered to be the father of Muslim movement was is Absol Salanto. And uh, he actually uh, uh, began it as a movement, but the idea, the basic idea of uh, studying Musa alongside other things that usually people, people study uh, is the idea of his spiritual mentor, Rabzundel uh, of Salant. Actually, it's uh, already, we can find some uh, sources to this approach in, uh, in the Goins uh, writings, especially in his interpretation to Michelet and in his famous epistle. Uh, but uh, the Goin himself was more dedicated to Torah study and is famous in his Torah study. And later on, even his main disciple, Talmud, the Chaim of Olojin, put much greater emphasis on, on the Torah study rather than Musa. Musa, for him, was just indeed a kind of a spice or additional thing that you can deal with only a few minutes in, during the day when you, before you study and during your study, when you have some intermissions or some breaks, you can stop for thinking about Musa, but it's not, it's not systematic. Prime uh, of uh, world view was that Torah learning is enough, and actually, it, it, it shapes the person's, the uh, Jewish person's personality as well. Uh, you need to deal with most of just a little bit, but the Torah does the does the work. Torah works on your personality as well on on Tiknamidis, and. Uh, Later on, one uh, the generation later, Zundel of Salant, and especially Absol Salanter himself, uh, came to the conclusion that it's not enough. It's very important, Torah study does a lot, but still you have also to make more emphasis, put more emphasis on self-improvement, on self-education, and that's what Muslim books are supposed to do. And Zundel of Salant, Absol uh, Salanter went to study in Salant, went to study Torah. Uh, by the local rabbi, rabbi. And Zundel of Salant was a very special person who didn't want to uh, engage in, in Rabbanut and Rabbinet and uh, held a uh, small shop and uh, worked in that because he didn't want to uh, make money out of Torah. Uh, but Zundel Salant paid, paid attention to his special conduct and followed him. And then one day Zundel of Salant told him, so uh, you want to be to prove yourself, go study Musa. Uh, you want to be Reshamayim, you want to be fearful of God, go study Musa. And this really kindled the idea of, of spreading and uh, disseminating the idea of Musa learning uh, throughout the Jewish uh, communities, throughout the Jewish uh, uh, population. And the Salanta made it much more systematic and turned it into a movement. He, he also had um, few disciples and try to also uh, infiltrate it into the uh, wider public by Musa Stiblach. But uh, his, the main impact of this movement was in the later years of his lifetime when uh, Musa institutions, Musa yeshivas were founded and they actually what uh, made it a movement. So uh, obviously we'll get more on that. So, so talk a little bit more about Bissel Salanter, I believe, right, Bissel Lipkin, he became to know him as Salanter. So right. just about talk about his uh, biography a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So uh, as I said, he, uh, uh, in, in, he was really a very talented uh, 
young man uh, who had a great talent for pilpulim, uh, but somehow he felt that uh, there is a bit of gaiva in, in uh, pride at entering into the, this engaging in sharp, you know, discussions of the, on the Talmud. His father wanted him to study uh, the Talmud in a more, you know, intuitive, straightforward way. So he sent him to Rabbi Boyde in Salant. And uh, there actually he uh, uh, became acquainted with Abzunder of Salant and started off his special way. But... Uh, later on, he when he st- when, uh, went uh, to the public and started uh, acting as a teacher, as a preacher, uh, the Maskilim wanted him to be engaged in their institutions and actually exerted some pressure on him uh, so that he uh, would come to teach in their institution in the Bet Midrash uh, Rabbanim, a rabbinic seminary that they wanted to open. And Absosan was not uh, a part of their uh, movement and didn't want to be identified with them, so actually had to run away from uh, Lithuania and started a. Uh, he he also a he he taught in, uh, in Orthodox uh, today we would say Orthodox institutions in Vilna and uh, Kovno, and also tried to found a an institution of himself. But uh, at some stage he started a a period of actually wandering from. Uh, one place to another. He spent f- a few years in Paris, also in Germany. And in his recent, last years, he did keep in touch with his students in Lithuania, made a few visits. Uh, but uh, basically, his, the center of his life in his last years was in uh, Germany, in uh, uh, Eastern Germany. And uh, there he passed away. In the last years of his life, he suffered from uh, depression and he passed away in the year 18, he was born in 1810 and passed away in 1883. Um, okay, so was it, uh, we, we touched on this more, but, but a little bit more. So, you know, why was it started? Was it, was it somewhat a reaction to the Haskalah? To Hasidus, what did it have? How did it interact with those? I mean, you could touch it, you could take on one first. Haskalah, Hasidus was going on at that time, you know. Okay, so Professor Emanuel Etkes was the uh, main researcher of uh, the early Muslim movement. Uh, he has this th- the thesis that uh, Muslim movement is kind of defense against the Maskilic and uh, uh, other modern uh, tendencies, especially Maskilic tendencies in uh, Eastern European Jewry. Uh, actually, another person, an important person who has says similar things, not uh, that this is the reason, but actually that it served as a kind of shield against uh, masculine tendencies was Rav Shach. Rav Shach also said in uh, the, one of these introductions to Avi Ezri uh, that uh, the Muslim movement served as a shield against the uh, uh, waves of, uh, of Ascala and the heresy, uh, as he saw that. And uh, in truth, it was partly, uh, of course, it served as, uh, as some kind of defensive force in the yeshivas, especially in the yeshivas. Uh, it was also a result of an interior crisis, I don't say crisis, but interior problem within the Litvish, Jewish uh, 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 Litvish world, because the idea of Talmud Chochem, of Lamden, person who dedicates all, all his life for, to Torah. Actually, the idea that was set by Chaim uh, uh, of succeed. Uh, the Lithuanian jury actually 
succeed in, 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 in making Torah study its main ideal, its main, the, 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 the thing to which most of the social energies are directed to. Uh, but still, something was wrong. Something the people felt without a scala. They, they didn't have scala to uh, uh, to feel that. That uh, in other fields of life, which are less intellectual, more moral, more religious, more spiritual, there is something that lacks. And this lack was was uh, a. I, 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 ambition was to fill fill in this this void. Uh, by something which is quite quite different from Ascala and quite different from Hasidus as well. Uh, it's not something that have to give has to give you a spiritual experience. Experience is just a means, if if at all. It has to make you a better person in other fields that are not intellectual, but more, as I said, more kind of moral and 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 uh, uh, psychological, even in some cases. And this self improvement should give, make you a, a more fearful person, more more. Uh, a phone person, more people, per, person more meticulous about uh, about mitzvahs, not just something that enlarges your your uh, not something like, that gives you something, but something that demands for, of you. And uh, this is the idea of Muslim movement, at least in the, in the beginning, make people more obedient, obedient, more Torah 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 abiding. So in that way, it, it clearly is different than Naskala, is what you're saying. Of course, different from Ascala, different from Hasidism, Muslim movement is a different thing. Now, so, so you're also saying, like Professor Edkis, it, it did, going with what he said, it, so it was it created as a kind of against it, or it's just like you're saying, you're going with, it was just, it happened to be that it came out? Like, in what way was it influenced by those? We can never tell. I mean, it's not mathematics. It's... Uh... There was a, you know, there was an aspect of of defense in that. It's that's clear. Edkes proves that brilliantly. Uh, still, but the, the, I, I think no spiritual phenomena usually doesn't uh, spiritual phenomena don't have one reason. A few causes. This is one of the causes, but the interior crisis is another. Okay, so I think something that we we, we probably should uh, should mention, I guess, over here is, you know explain a little more in depth at what it was. What was the Musser movement? I mean, we'll get later on probably to Musser Svarim, classical Musser Svarim that are written in much earlier, but that's not what we're talking about. That's not what, I mean, that maybe what people think today, but that's not what the Musser movement was. So what did exactly it embody and what it, how did it end up, you know, um, grow over the years? How did it change and what, what exactly it was? Yes. Um, the ideal of the Musserniks is Ir'ah, Ir'at Hashem, uh, fear of God. Uh, this ideal is not just being fearful of God, but also being, you know, um, a person who takes seriously the halacha. And when Absol Saranta speaks about the halacha, he doesn't mean just the halacha, uh, but he, he has, has this idea that if you truly believe that the halacha is, is the will of God and it, it obliges you, you have to take it seriously in a way that you take all the mitzvahs equally uh, as equally binding. The fact, the Pesach says that the fact that people are serious about some mitzvahs and, you know, quite, uh, I mean, uh, less serious, let's say, about other mitzvahs. Uh, he gave the example of people are so strict about kashrut, uh, while much less strict about uh, Roshnore. Uh, gossip and 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 uh, 
and things like, there's a famous saying that uh, is attributed to the Chafetz Chaim, that people are so cautious about what they put into their mouth, but much less cautious about what they take out of their mouth. Uh, by the way, this uh, saying has a, a very interesting source, much more ancient than all those uh, rabbis, but uh, you know who said it for that first? Jesus. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, he, uh, but uh, uh, actually this, uh, this saying is, uh, exemplifies how Salante wants you to take all the mitzvahs of the Torah equally, in, a, in an equally serious way. Uh, and he says, if it's not a matter of, of obeying the Torah law because it is the Torah law, but uh, unequally, What's the reason for that? The reason is that you keep more some mitzvahs because you're more uh, 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 sensitive to that in your personality or your community is more sensitive to that or your whatever. And these are all weaknesses of, of your personality. Uh, and if you want to be a real Torah abiding person, uh, you have to correct those weaknesses and only then you will act out of fear of God. And th this means that you take all the mitzvahs in an equally serious way. To get that, you have to understand what are your weaknesses. And Sosanta says that you have to take the classical Musa books that all talk about, you know, they all speak about deficiencies of the personality and read them not as you read, you know, Gemara or philosophy or anything theoretical or intellectual. You have to read them as something that uh, reflects or mirrors your own your own your own personality, and this, he says, is built from a process of three stages. The first stage is what the Muslims call the bureau, the the, the analysis of your weaknesses. Uh, by the way, Absol Salanta called it hergesh. You have to sense your weaknesses. And then the second stage is kvishat amidot. You have to block your your uh, your yetzerah, your drives from from uh, uh, influencing you. And the third and final stage is the tikkun, is the full emendation of 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 this, these weaknesses, which means that they don't even bother you. They don't even start start uh, uh, affecting you. And uh, in, in the first, in the second stage, they do affect you and they do want to, to drive you into the bad directions, but you, you stop them. In the third stage, they don't even try to, to bother you because you're, you've overcome them. And this process is done by, first of all, taking those Muslim books and understanding yourself and analyzing yourself according to them, then memorizing and repeating and actually a kind of self-suggestion uh, uh, of Musa's sayings about each uh, middle, each ca character trait in which you feel weak, and only, and also training yourself not uh, to expose yourself to to those bad uh, 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 character traits, and then at the end, finished mending one 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 middle, and you turn to the other and trying to amend that as well, and do the same process all over again. Now, how did this develop? Gradually, so that was in the beginning, more or less, right? So, how did it develop? And as we got into the later on various yeshivas, which we can get into in a minute, but how did it, if you want to, you can mention here, already, how did it develop? 
Rabbi Sosser himself wanted to go to the wider public, and he, first of all, did it as a preacher. It was an excellent Darshan. Uh, there are reports about him that he, 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 he used to write very toughly. His Hebrew is very tough, very, very difficult. But he was an excellent speaker and a very attractive speaker, and people really liked his sermons, his, his, his doshes. And he tried to, to influence the public by that. Uh, also, he tried to get into the wider public by uh, founding Musa Stiblach, uh, which is something like the Hasidic Stiblach, but not uh, for, you know, not kind of uh, socializing, but more sitting with us. Musa movement is much more individualistic than Hasidism. It's not centered on the community, but rather on the, in the individual. The individual has to dig into himself and, and understand himself. So it's, it's all you with the, with the books and you with yourself. So in the Musa, Musa, in the Musa Shtiblach, you had to take the Musa books, find an hour in the day and get, go into in, in the Musa Shtiblach and sit with the books and analyze yourself. And, and really it has to be with the spilus, as they said, with enthusiasm, Sfataim uh, Dolkot, yes, uh, uh, heated, heated speech. And uh, only then when you memorize it to yourself, you can uh, have the effect. And so Santa thought that the masses will go after it just as they, as they went about after, after other ideas, but the masses didn't go and the masses didn't join him. And uh, actually he uh, kind of gave, gave it up in the end of the, his days because uh, some of his disciples, some of his Talmudim, especially the altar of Kelm of Simchas Yisrazib, uh, uh, Simchas Yisboid, his real name was, uh, decided to uh, do it in a different way in establishing most establishing institutions for actually yeshivas, but yeshivas in, in, in which the curricula will include Musa, study of Musa. And uh, the author of Kelm was himself failed in, in establishing those institutions. He made a few attempts, but uh, fa failed most, in most of them. And only in the last stage of his life, when he made Kelm a center of training Musa teachers rather than Musa students, he, he, he really succeed. And also in the last year of his life, uh, of, of Epson Salanta's life, sorry, another student of this school, uh, a, the Alto of Slobodka, not a student of Epson Salanta himself, but rather of the, the Alto of Kelm, uh, established the first Shivagdoli, uh, Shivagvoa, in Slobodka, which, is, uh, which was a pattern with the model for other Shivas as well. And uh, now, in the beginning, they tried to establish Musa Shivas. Later on, they also tried to conquer other yeshivas and conquer is a slang kind of you know a metaphor but uh, trying to musarize other yeshivas as well and, and succeed in that as well tell was not tells for example was not a musa yeshiva mir was not a musa yeshiva but they conquered so to speak those yeshivas to musa so uh, like you said you already already referenced the uh, kelm and the like so what what are the differences i mean how did it we'll talk we would talk about the development but how did it change, you know, from Kelm and then Slabotka, Novardik, which we have not mentioned, the very famous one, radical, and is that a fair word? And 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 talk about you know those and 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 we'll get to some other ones as well. Sure. Uh, so the idea was that a Torah institution should be not just an institution of learning, but also an uh, institution of religious education, spiritual education. And the author of Kelm said that uh, you don't need just teachers uh, to teach Gomorrah. Of course, the main thing is studying Gomorrah. But 
you also have to be, and he himself was the mashgiach, uh, the main mashgiach, it was called the Mnahel Ruhani, of the institution to imbue within the uh, students the spirit of Musa. And first of all, it was in his, in his institution, the main idea was discipline and self-discipline and a very stark order uh, and uh, strict uh, uh, keeping of timetables and, and uh, everything should be very clean, very neat, very accurate. And this is, this is the ideal of Kerm and uh, he had this theology behind, behind it. Uh, but later on, Musa movement developed other schools of Musa, which are much more interesting in terms of thought. And uh, they had a real Musa theology. The author of Slobodka, uh, when he founded his yeshiva in Slobodka, was very similar to the author of Helm, was his teacher. Uh, they weren't always in good terms, but uh, he, he continues his path. But later on in his life, due to many uh, few things that happened in the, in the yeshiva, there were a few revolts in the yeshiva, he changed his attitude at the altar of, of Slobodka and he developed his own Musa methodology, which is a method based on the idea of the supremacy of man, the loftiness of man, godless Odom. Uh, it is a very optimistic theology and in many ways a very humanistic theology as well. The greatest, greatest loftiness of man is, is, is really giving a tremendous credit to, to human creatures. And the author of Slobodka said that uh, in order to educate students to make, you have to make them understand how great they are, how, 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 how great is their potential. And this way, encourage them to go, to take the track to the, to, to expose this greatness, to, to make this potential, to realize the potential. On the other hand, the same generation, yes, there was the Alto of, of Novadok, which was quite the opposite. His theology was very pessimistic. Man is a wreck, man is a, is a beastly creature. And, and in order to uh, amend the uh, human character, what you have to do is actually shatter it and rebuild it. It's so, I mean, it's so bad that you have to, to, to break it in, in, in order to rebuild it. And therefore in, in Ovaduk, there was also the term of Shvirasamidis, breaking of the character traits in order to reshape them, human, human being, the students. And indeed, that's why Novadok became a, the most radical, um, a branch of Muslim movement. Was also Novadok was into like his bodidus? Were they? Well, no, oh, sorry. His bodidut, his bodidus? No. Ah, yes, there was that as well. It's not 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 like in Bristol. There was, was no there was no specific term of his bodidus. Uh, it uh, it was rather an issue that you they often sent uh, their students to the uh, forests to study Musa, either in couples or on their own. Uh, it was more in order to serve Midas uh, the uh, idea of trust uh, trust in God. Uh, in Novadov, they were very radical in their, their education to Midas Abitochen that uh, you have to, uh, you don't have to care for yourself, everything, the, the, your, your food and your needs are all decided in, in, in Rosh Hashanah and uh, everything you do, or any status that you do, any human endeavor that you take, it's just in vain. Uh, if you trust, put all your trust in God, he will supply everything. And in order to educate students for that, they send them without anything to the forest and just stay there alone or in couples or uh, uh, triplets or whatever and, uh, and uh, see that uh, God actually cares for all their needs. 
And there are nice stories about that as well. You know, uh, you might have heard some of them. You, you, you know the stories about the, there's a nice story, I think, uh, uh, I'll tell you one. Uh, there's a nice story that uh, three Novardic students went to the uh, forest with, you know, monster books and uh, trying to work on their bitochen. And uh, because, you know, the Mashkiach told them that uh, if they don't do anything, if they do, don't do any shtalvas, trust, trust God and sit and study, all their Amazonians, all their food, all their needs will be provided, as I said. So first day they studied Musa and uh, under the trees and were really enthusiastic and put all their energies. Night came and they were hungry, but okay, have to trust. Morning later, they got up, davened, started studying. I mean, the hunger was really annoying, but they kept studying and keeping their trust. Um, but the second day also, they're even more hungry. So one of the students said, it's, uh, it can't go like that. And when, when, when his friends uh, went to sleep, he went to the uh, nearby town and bought uh, foods and, and, uh, and grocery uh, products, whatever he needs, they need to put it under one of the trees. In the morning, they got up and saw all those foods. Wow, the promise was, uh, I mean, it was fulfilled. Yes, we, we trusted and here it is, the food is there. And they ate and they, they were really happy and wanted Mashgiach and wanted to tell Mashgiach how successful it was, the, that the promise was kept. Uh, but then this guy told them, friends, I have to tell you the truth. It's not uh, from heaven. I did it. Uh, so they went to Mashgiach and asked him, they wanted to, to, to tell him happy how things work, but now I had to ask him why things didn't work. So the Mashgiach said, didn't work? Of course it worked. The person who didn't have the bitochen had to go to the grocery store and buy things, but you that had the bitochen got it for free and didn't have to endeavor free. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, that that is a great story. So, mm -hmm. so that, that that's Navardic, really. So after this, I think there's, there's two other uh, questions regarding yeshiva sev. I guess which way uh, we should go. I guess I'll actually go before we get to the smaller ones. I want what impact did the Muslim movement, did it have any impact on Velazhin? Going back, pulling back to Velazhin a little bit, uh, the, the, the main yeshiva, the original, you know, Velazhin, did it have any impact there at all or no? No, no. Uh, there are a few yeshivas that uh, really um, were objecting Musa and didn't want to put Musa into their curricula. One of them, and the main, most important one of them is uh, Velazhin. And uh, there is this uh, the, the famous story that uh, Soloveitchik told that uh, when Abitzel Blaza, another disciple of Absol Salanta, came to convince the Nazive uh, to, to add Musa into the curriculum, he said, uh, Musa is, you know, for people who are sick, they need, you need, they need, need a medicine, but uh, here, Baruch Hashem, uh, we're all healthy, so we don't need that. And they didn't vote, want to put Musa into uh, the yeshiva, and the mashkichim in Volozhin were always just, you know, kind of uh, technical inspectors that things go well, not people who give shmusin, not people really, who really give the atmosphere of the yeshiva as it was in, uh, in Musa's yeshivas. Now, also, so, 
after the main three, like so to speak, that we mentioned, there were a couple of smaller ones um, before the war. I mean, you want to talk about a couple of the any smaller ones and how it they differed? They're at- not small at all. They're very important and even more <laughs> to some degree. I mean, uh, had greater influence than uh, the three famous ones. Not all of them, but uh, they're really important. Uh, they're all uh, actually offshoots of uh, Kiam, this way or another. Um, the one, the, free, the, the, the very famous one, uh, the frame, actually the, the, all, the two most famous ones are, are Tuz and Mir. Uh, both the Shivas were not Muslims and were conquered to Musar later on. Rabbi Yosef Bloch of Tuz was a great Torah scholar and Muslimic and educator also public activist as well. Um, Abbas Bloch has his shita that uh, Musa should be based on knowledge, on actual theological understanding. He, his Shmusen were not Shmusen. Musa, Mashkichem usually gives Shmusen. He gave, he called it Shurei Da'at, uh, uh, classes on Theological classes, theology classes, I would call that. Uh, it's not, it doesn't sound Jewish, but <laughs> this, this is what it was. Uh, he gave, gave Shurim on uh, more basic metaphysical ideas, such as you know, creation, ashgoche, uh, uh, the nature, human nature, uh, nature and miracles, uh, things like that, which are not directly related to the question of how to improve myself. He believed that the very engagement in these questions and the internalization, the internalization of, of what man is according to this broader perspective uh, can make you better. He was in many ways, because he was a Talmud of Kelm, he kept the idea of stark and staunch discipline and uh, well-ordered uh, schedule of the day. Uh, and uh, he was himself was a kind of a kind of uh, leader, but uh, but the main idea was that you should take Musa in a much more intellectual way, not just. He 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 was quite against this kind of sad melody in learning Musa. This you know kind of weeping melody in way. Of course, in teaching Musa, that was wasn't his style. He was about studying Musa as an intellectual, just as you study Gemara and, and, and taking that seriously. Uh, Rabbi Rucham of Mir, that is Rabbi Yosef Bloch of, of Tels, and as you know, Tels, the Tels Yeshiva uh, moved to the United States afterwards and today's in Cleveland. Uh, Mir was, uh, Rabbi Rucham of Mir studied both, uh, he, he was the Talmud of the Alto of Slobodka, but also of Kerm, and he took Musa to a quite a different direction. Uh, more kind of experiential emphasis. You have to really be develop your kind of spiritual relig- religiosity. You have to talk to God, feel the presence of God, uh, try to to develop kind of religious experience in your learning Musa. Uh, you kind of feel your your ego, your existential ego. He was a kind of religious existentialist in some way, uh, not 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 in modern way, but uh, more the, the, the emphasizing the, the speciality of each one, each and every person. That's what Rabbi Rucha. Another uh, this another less uh, 
less important or less influential branch of the Muslim world was Lomje. Uh, yes, while Terence Moore was a little bit influenced by the Chabad Hasidism to some degree, uh, Lomje was more influenced by the other Hasid Hasidic uh, um, groups. Uh, Rosenstein of Lomje was, a, uh, was much more about Musa based on joy, based on simplicity, based on love of God, not just fear of God, also love of God, Avas Hashem, not only Yeras Hashem. And uh, he also went uh, to the mikveh very often and tried to get Musa in a more kind of popular way. It was not, not a coincidence because Lomje was a, a city on the border between Poland and Lithuania, and many uh, from Polish Hasidic mishpoches, families came to this yeshiva, and he was, uh, they were part of it. And he, not only he influenced them, but they influenced his uh, Muslim method as well. Right, so I want to get back to uh, Rabbi Rucham, but I think it'll tie together with another question that I should ask you now, and then we'll get back to him. Is, which is, no. I guess I would ask it as, and some people have sent me you know, questions like, Ask, does it still exist today? Well, no. So the question just is, it doesn't. So why Why doesn't? I mean, what happened? It didn't survive uh, the Holocaust, right? Uh, and Hasidus did. So I think that's part of it we can talk about also. You know, but what happened that it didn't survive? And, and that... This is a very good question, indeed. Uh, first of all, it didn't die out altogether. I mean, uh, there were great Muslims after the war as well. In Israel, it, it was... Uh, we all remember Volbe, but uh, before that as well, uh, uh, there are a few, Rabbi uh, Dessler, other figures as well. Uh, want, uh, even today, we have a few Musa, Mashgichim, uh, important Musa figures uh, living today, Rabbi Valkin, as well, for example, and others. Uh, but uh, in the United States also, there, there were a few important Musaniks, but you're right in saying that it didn't have the same weight in the yeshiva world. That's because, by, by the way, in, in the pre-war yeshiva world in Lithuania itself, in Poland actually, uh, about half of the Musa yeshiva, half of the shivas altogether were of the, the Novardok network. Novardok was a large network. And Novardok, almost nothing has remained of Novardok after the war. But the re main reason is that actually uh, the post-war Jewish world was a, I would say went much more, the, the most influential figures in the post-war Jewish world, uh, Lithuanian, Litvish Jewish world, were people who were against Musa, and they kind of convinced the public that Musa is, you know, kind of luxury. Musa, you can do Musa, we have, we have enough Torah, we can also kind of afford this luxury. Of, of Musa as well. But now we don't have this luxury and we have to put all the emphasis on Torah learning. But, but I must add another thing that some of the things that Musa movement instituted into the yeshivas were, became so natural, so part and parcel of the yeshiva life that even in the post yeshivas without being really Musa Nick yeshivas, uh, they, they remained. For example, the Musa Shmusen and the Musa Seder that every yeshiva has today, so they are not really, uh, well, I mean, not everybody <laughs> takes the Muslim Seder, but it exists in most of them. In Brisk, it doesn't. Yes, Briskers don't take it, but uh, most of the issues, I think, they do, but the large, vast majority. 
but as, as we know, not all, not all the Talmudim, not all the Bochim, take Musa Seder, nobody really says anything because it's not so important, but basically uh, some of the things that Musa Movement put in remain there. By the way, even the Litvish clothing, the Litvish dress is also something that Musa Movement put in. Because uh, it's short jackets and, you know, the, the this, uh, Kapalut, yes, and uh, uh, that's... Uh, that's a part of the influence of Muslim and 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 the post of the Mashgirch as well. Mashgirch, even even today, Mashgirch is not just someone in charge of discipline, but also someone who can you can talk to, who can you share problems with, who gives schmusen. Uh, that, that's also part of the influence. So in one way, you can say that Muslim movement was so successful that it was no longer needed as a movement. Some of the things it 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 gave to the yeshiva world, remained and became all yeshivish. But in other, other aspects, it was considered as kind of luxury and, and only few continued the path of Musa, while most of the yeshivas centered on Gomorrah. So you're saying it's basically based on the leaders. And so Hasidus, being that they had influential rebbes still after the war, that's why that survived, you know. And, and... Uh, yeah, rebbes gave an absolutely different thing. The Musa movement, as soon as it became a part of the yeshiva world and, and developed within the yeshiva world, it, the agenda was was determined by the yeshiva world, not uh, by, while rabbis had their own authority outside the, the, the yeshivas, outside the, outside in the educational institutions, and they reestablished the courts and had their own. And uh, from the outset, Mu, Musa movement is not like Hasidus. Musa movement, not, not just because it's different atmosphere, different uh, goals, but, uh, Chassidus is about building communities around the personality, a specific leader. In Muslim movement, you don't have leaders. Mashgichim are only people who are kind of educators, so give you the path to, to yourself. And they don't establish communities. There are no Muslimist communities in the yeshivas yet. Oh, the oh, Vadim. But it's not, a, it's not communities that your whole life is directed around them. Uh, so Chassidus is much more kind of total, a total structure, social structure, while Musa is, is about, I mean, an educational path, not, not much more than that. Right. So I think we should get back to Rucham a little bit, um, which is, uh, now obviously, there's not going to go uh, super in-depth into his style, which it could, but then there's, there's so many more, like you mentioned, there's so many famous uh, Muslimics that we could uh, talk about, the different styles. Um, Desley mentioned, and then I'm thinking of uh, Isaac Sherrod. No, there's a lot. I'm sure there's tons of them. We could discuss different ones, and then the, on the older ones as well. But, but uh, one question that, that I think goes back to the one I just asked you before was Yerbi Rocham had, I believe, um, he was a big uh, leader of the movement, and he had many, many students, and many students that survived the war also because the Mir got out, they went to Shanghai. So, why, how do, how do we d- uh, understand that his students, um, failed to continue his style of Musa after the war. They had so many of them and they didn't, no one really continued. We, we just said it's in the yeshivas, but not really, did they really continue his way? Not really. I think in Israel, they, it's not his path of Musa, but he had two, two important continuations. One of his, Abraham Shmulevitz, who took an absolutely different type of Musa, but he was an important Muslim in his time. Uh, and the other is, of course, Rav Volbe. Is uh, I think his most influential, Rabbi Ochum's most influential, influential Talmud. Rabbi Volbe is still today in Israel, is an important name, is, you know, the uh, Mashgiach, yes, uh, uh, is, is Rabbi Volbe, and he still is an important figure in the Haredi world. 
after his passing. Right, but I guess I guess the question would also be they, 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 they like we get back to what we were saying before they didn't continue the most movement though they had schmooze in the yeshiva whatever right there was no real uh... no in Rav Olbe's case he has base Musa base Musa is a Musa institution yes mm-hmm. true but besides so, for him the other ones didn't really uh, correct uh, it's it's because that order of priorities which I mentioned before okay. they worked within the yeshivas and the yeshivas had their own order of priorities. Can you just define also what Rabbi Rucham's style was? And you said Rabbi Shulevitz and Salatami differed a lot from his. Do you want to just touch yes. on that? Rabbi Shulevitz actually also gave, it was called, of course, Musa Shmusen, but I know also people who heard, used to go, go to hear his, his Shmusen, it was more a kind of shiurim uh, on Agada. And on and on on midrash, on midrash on things like you know where uh, just as he, he as he used to deal with the halachic sugis in the Gemara, he used to took an agadic issue an agadic theme and develop it and 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 try to find you know darker subtleties within it and 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 exerted the main message from it and 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 take a few agadites and and combine them together or 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 uh, 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 show the uh, the tension between them or things like that. If we read his Musa Shmusen, he also he didn't use this you know kind of uh, uh, weeping uh, tone or uh, uh, yes a kind of emotional uh, emotional uh, uh, kind of speech. He used to teach Agada and and take a message, a practical message out of it, uh, which is quite an original way, an original way as well as well. It kind of uh, combining. But usually, you know, the yeshivas they they they, they skip the Agadas, and he didn't skip them. <laughs> they took them and made them made, made a different kind of shurim out of them in his Musar Shmusim. Should we mention over here any other famous figures overall of the Muslim movement that we didn't mention, or you mentioned the, are there any ones that we forgot to mention? No, there are many of them, actually. It's, uh, if just uh, uh, spilling names around <laughs> won't help anybody. Uh, uh, there are, are many. Are there any particular... Uh, Rabbi Dessler is also very important. I, we we, we can't, I can't miss him. Rabbi Dessler is actually was invited uh, to the point of... He, he, he was one of the founders of the Gates of Gates of Koilelo, which was founded in an, as an initiative of Novado Kels, but he he was a Kelmer. He was a, a, actually a... a grandson of uh, the altar of Kerem, a great grandson of Sol Salanta, is a great Musa uh, Yechus, Rabbi uh, Dessler, but uh, then he was invited by the Pont of Jerov to Eretz soil, and uh, he was, uh, he became, uh, under conditions, by the way, that uh, he won't be too strict with the, the students, and we'll, he'll talk more about, more intellectually, and more, uh, uh, not, not in a kind of a rebuking way, and uh, he did that, and he also developed kind of what is called sometimes as kind of philosophical Musar. Uh, he also tried to combine elements from Chassidus, especially from Chabad, but not only, and Musar and uh, classical misnagdic uh, uh, thought of Agra and the Pram of Ologian to, to combine together. Once again, he, he tried to, to build a metaphysical system as and not only that, he added another thing that wasn't in Muslim movement before, before him, and that's the ideological aspect, the Ashkafic aspect. He was also, Rabbi Dessler actually is the one who, 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 who mobilized Musa 
uh, into the project of rebuilding the Haredi society in Israel and, and uh, constructing its ideology, its Ashkafa. Uh, he, he, he also spoke about, you know, the, the social order of priorities of what, what, what should we center on now. He coped with questions of Amunas Chachomim uh, versus against, you know, all those who accused the rabbis of neglecting their flocks uh, in the shore or, or misperceiving the danger before the shore. Uh, he, he also gave this very important message of now we have to center Took all our take all our energies to and center on focus on rebuilding the Torah world. All these are much less individual, much less introverted, much more social uh, goals that he undertook as a Muslim leader uh, and became one of the fathers of Haredi Ashkafe beyond his being a Muslim teacher. Right, and should we mention his, his Talmud of Friedlander also? Of course, yes. Uh-huh, who revived the uh, study of Kabbalah even in. in uh, in the Muslim movement as well, yes, Ramchal, at least, yes. Right, and, and and we'll get to the Ramchal in a minute here, his place, because of Mesil Sisharam, and that's a, a big part of it. I think that's uh, something else that we should get to, we can get to right now, which is the, the literature, the, the Sfarim of the uh, Muslim movement. So uh, we'll start a little bit before that. Is is How would you define, we mentioned there, are, there were Muslim Sfarim around, Shari Shuvar Ben Yoyna, Orchat Sadikim, Malas Amidis, there was Sfarim that went back to, to, to medieval times, so Rishayim. So, you know, how would you characterize those? A Muster Sefer, and then we'll get to the Muster movement as far as. Uh, yes, most of Muster's forum, classical Muster, are, are books that people, rabbis, actually set to the table and wrote them systematically. Yes, if you see, for example, yes, uh, all the Muslim books that you mentioned, they're built according to the order of Midas. All things like that are built according to systematic discussion of Midas. Most of them, at least, almost all of them. Each one has his own order, his own structure, but this is how it's built. While the Muslim movement, most of its books, at least from the second generation and on, is not systematic. It's usually based on Shmusen. Uh, that students recorded or the Mashgichim uh, themselves wrote down and then they turned it into books when someone edited, edited them but it still uh, keeps the, the tone and the, the, the uh, sometimes it's according to the order of the Parsha sometimes it's according to the, another order yes uh, uh, order of uh, uh, you know, holidays, uh, events in the in the in the area, even sometimes the sugi and the yeshiva, you know, or things that bother the, the yeshiva in that time, problems in the yeshiva, it, it's reflected in books. It's much more things based on yeshiva life and on actual shmusen, and therefore it's much less systematic. On the other hand, it also has some different focus in in the content. It's it's also much more about uh, since it's based on Shmusen, it's more kind of darshanic. It's more kind of building a an idea, uh, uh, trying to convince you something. Trying uh, uh, the 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 main issue is often not this midah or that midah, but how to analyze yourself, how to how to be sensitive enough to your weaknesses, how to understand your negis, your, your you know your inclinations that that uh, your rationalizations that often t- take you 
away from true, true judgment of yourself. Things like that that are more general are often made, made more, uh, discussed more, more elaborately, more deeply, more in-depth discussion of such things which are more general and not focused on specific media of gaiva, of gas, of, of uh, toleration of things like that. But even those those types of were ones that they did learn, right? And we said Monsieur Sharon was one that they really uh, learned and still is studied in yeshiva no. today. So, so, so these basically also what type of farm did they actually learn in yeshiva? They learned the old classics, so to speak, or they went and they also learned their own. They they, they heard schmooze. They didn't learn these farm probably the newer the, one. The the, the core. <laughs> sorry, I'm using this term, but the core curriculum of Musser is uh, the classical books. Uh, what a, stu- a student is, uh, Talmud is expected, the uh, is expected to learn is, is of course, first of all, yes, says, uh, these books are the main, the main curriculum, I mean, main books that you, you work with. If you want some extra, if you want something that goes, if you sometimes, if you want something that belongs to your yeshiva, to your, the teachers, the founders of your yeshiva, you also add the uh, Musa movement leaders. But uh, uh, when you, uh, you usually to the Musa say they take the classic ones. Right. I, I want to ask you about one safer I think is worth highlighting of something that came out of that time is uh, mentioned this before is Cheshben HaNefesh, the Mendel Leffen. I think it's, it's, it's worth highlighting because, first of all, it's a very unique uh, work, what, it, what it's about. You can explain the contents and also the author and where he took most of where it's from. So let's talk about all, all those things. Actually, not most of but the one main idea. Menachem Mendel Leffen was actually masculine, an early masculine. Uh, and Cheshbon HaNefesh is a book based on the idea that the person has to do actually a kind of self-scrutiny that is based on a, a new, uh, counting your avarice, counting your uh, uh, failures and writing them down and then summing them up and, and analyzing yourself and trying to improve yourself and see how, how many failures you had the day after and then the month after, etc. And doing a kind of need Cheshbon, a kind of calculation of uh, your your mitzvahs uh, and averes, uh, and this idea was Nachman uh, Levin himself was a masculine. He was probably exposed to this idea uh, by a book um, written by Benjamin Franklin, who was also a kind of Protestant Masonic <laughs> in some way, uh, but he didn't reveal this source. Uh, the interesting thing is that when Rabbi Salante uh, recommended Musser books. Uh, this was one of his recommendations. He, he didn't really. He he was very. He wasn't very picky about the ideological or theological uh, direction of the Musa books. He took both Kabbalistic Musa books, Rabbinic Musa books, uh, uh, and he, uh, of course Litvish Musa books. But uh, he didn't uh, have any record, any problem taking this book as well. Uh, an interesting fact is that he, he wasn't the first to do it. He, the, actually, uh, he took this idea from his own spiritual mentor, Abzundel of Salant. Abzundel of Salant, uh, that half mysterious person whom he, whom he met in Salant, and later on Abzundel himself made an aliyah to Atsisoil and uh, became the, the rabbi of the Pushi uh, community, the Ashkenazi community uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, in his writings, we found also the same recommendation of using Cheshbon and Nefesh as a uh, as a good Musa guide. It's this. Yes, yeah, so there, there are there are also there are um, two new editions of Cheshbon and Nefesh. Actually, Masada of Cook published one edited 
by Rabbi Yaakov Edelson's grandson. And there he does talk about the Benjamin Franklin angle. There's another one that I saw and he says, no, how could you say such a thing? And, but uh, there are two new editions of that. Um, so I guess to, to, to finish up, um, obviously there's much more that we didn't get to, I'm sure. Well, uh, uh, Rabbi Nissan Waxman uh, wrote, Bishvilei uh, Nissan, I think is the name of his book, wrote a whole article comparing Cheshbon uh, Nefesh and Benjamin Franklin's book and trying to understand how much it really took from that and how much it didn't. There are also controversies about how, how, what the type of vascular of Nachman Lefin was, but uh, yes, all those debates are מובן Um, affected from life? How, what, what impact did it act, does it actually have today still? As I said, it's uh, first of all the fact that uh, ah, by the way, that the, the very fact that the yeshivas have uh, dorms is an uh, in innovation of Muslim movements. Uh, before that, uh, students uh, the eight days Uh, that's how it goes go by by uh, uh, in, in the in the town uh, but beyond that it's and also as I said the she was retire is a part of the, the the contribution of Muslim movement but no, mainly the main thing is the uh, role of the mashgiach as a something that is much more than just a uh, an inspector of discipline and the fact that Musa learning is a at least officially, a part of the curriculum. That's the main thing. And the yeshiva is considered today not just as a study institution, but also as a, a place where you shape your personality as well, with the help of Mashkichim, with the help of Adim, anything, if not all the students take that, but it's still conceived as something that has to be a... melting pot, I would say, or something like that to shape your personality beyond just learning. Okay. So I guess the last thing to ask you is what, what suggested reading? Can you, somebody wants to read more on the Sosalanter, on the Muslim movement, Hebrew, English, what are books that, uh, obviously there's plenty of articles, but what are books that people can uh, read? Um, there are a few good books. It depends on the reader's um, interest. Uh, I think in, on uh, Sosalanter, there is a... Uh, Uh, a very good book by Manuel Etkes, which is the biography of Brussel Salanta, but also his thought is very well written. Uh, there is an in-depth analysis of his uh, philosophy, theology, by Hillel Goldberg, a book uh, called Israel Salanta, Text, Structure, Idea. Uh, there's also a, a book by uh, Glenn uh, about Brussel Salanta. And there's, of course, the famous series by uh, uh, by Dov Katz, Tnuata Musar, and the additional volume, Pul Musa Musar, Musar Debate, Musar Controversy. They're all still, they have the weakness, this book has its weaknesses. It's not an academic book, but still, I think, most comprehensive book uh, that has, he, he didn't finish the job, it, it reaches up to 1930, more or less, uh, but still is, An excellent book to read and very readable very 
nice, I mean, nicely written. Uh, there are a few, a few other books as well. Uh, there's also the uh, articles by Tamar Ross and by Mordechai Pechter in Hebrew mainly, uh, by Hillel Goldberg articles as well, and by Emmanuel Edkes, as I mentioned. Uh, there is the uh, book by Klibanski, Mencion Klibanski, about the yeshiva world between the uh, two world wars that uh, is not uh, dedicated to Musa, but uh, much, much of it uh, discusses Musa yeshivas. And there's a Shlomo Tikochinsky's book on uh, Slobodka uh, in Hebrew as well, uh, uh, which uh, gives an excellent picture of the development of Slobodka, especially in Eretz Israel. Right, so a lot of those books are in Hebrew. I mean, Edkis is available in Hebrew and English uh, for its JPS. Yeah, by the way, there's also a good Haredi literature about the uh, Muslim movement. Uh, for example, one of the uh, uh, most interesting summaries of Rabbi Ruchmir's uh, sheet is of Olbez, Adam Be'akar. There also other books as well on history. There is a... A summary of about Novadok by Rabbi Nekritz. Uh, there are a few Musa uh, short works by uh, in, from the Shiva world itself, but still, there's a lot of to, a lot to be done about it. Right. So I just wanted to say so. So Edkis is a JPS, and then Menachem Glenn that you mentioned in English also is a bit of an older book. It was republished by Yasher Books. I don't know if it's still around. It was re, re like printed, um, and then uh, what? No, no, no. Glenn's book was republished by something called Yasher Books, a, a press ah, okay. who published it because it was old. It's old. It's quite an old book. Um, and then there's others that we're forgetting. And also, uh, we did not mention your own work on, on Musser. Okay. Uh, if you say, I'm, uh, I can join you. I, I can join your recommendation. <laughs> okay. Yes, I, I also wrote a nice uh, booklet based on my lectures on the. Uh, uh, university on the air. Uh, ah, here it is. Uh, in Hebrew as well. So yes, we can add that to the list. Okay, great. So um, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. So, so, so did I. Thank you.